the way you see the world is the way you see the world. And that's one of the only unique things about you. So, so really look at that and think about that whenever you're judging someone else for the way that they're quote unquote making you feel. Hi there. I'm Kelly Tennant. This is Ceremony Wellness, where we integrate modern healing and ancient wisdom. After spending 13 years in a chronic health battle, I've made it my life's mission to support you on your healing journey. Each week, I gather with the leading voices in health, wellness, and spiritual development for rich conversations to help you heal deeply and create the life you've been longing for. My guests and I educate you on the latest healing remedies and alternatives to the traditional path. I've personally curated this space to elevate your mind, body, and spirit. Hello, friends. Today is a very different episode, something a little, uh, a little shake up over here at Ceremony Wellness because I watched an amazing special on Netflix with Connor, who's here. Say hi. 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 <laughs> I'm here. We watched it twice now so that we could do this, but we watched Brene Brown's The Call to Courage on Netflix and it was an hour of inspiration. And it was something that I sat down and many tears came through and I was so inspired by her conversation on vulnerability and shame. And the reason I wanted to do it with you is because I think this is something that has shown up in our lives in a lot of ways. I agree. Yeah. And I almost cried once even. You had tears. But they didn't like come out, mm-hmm. but they were there. They were hanging out. Yeah. They were, they were like posted up. You were welling up. There's yeah. no dripping of tears. <laughs> yeah. My eyes were moist. <laughs> they were moist. But if you guys haven't had a chance to watch this special, I highly recommend it as well as her books. She is just next level in so many ways, but she talks through vulnerability and shame, not only individually and how we go through it ourselves, but how it's reflected in our relationships and the way we respond to our partners and how it can really affect the way we show up into the world and and how we allow critics to affect us. And I just really am called to talk about this specifically given what I've been going through over the last few weeks, as many of you have seen and messaged me about. And I have felt a need to find courage in my own life and feel a little more brave to do the hard things. And what I have learned is that we can all do the hard things with a little courage and support from amazing people. So Connor and I are super excited to share this episode with you. We'll be talking through the entire special, the things that really stuck out to us. And we're actually going to give you a little glimpse into our relationship apparently because (laughs) we decided to be super vulnerable about things we're going through. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we share some juicy, some juicy bits. I think more of it is just the general way that we talk to each other. <laughs> I know. It's pretty funny. I learned some things in this episode though. Oh, talking good. to you. It was good. Now it's for the whole world to learn. I know. Yay. Welcome to our relationship, everybody. <laughs> we hope you enjoy this. And again, don't forget to watch Brene Brown's special, The Call to Courage. And also, don't forget to give this podcast a five-star review and leave some kind words in the comments. Thanks, Because Kelly's awesome. Thank you. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. 
but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Theodore Roosevelt. Boom. Boom. Mic drop. I love that quote, and I love starting with that. Yeah, Theodore Roosevelt's PR team was really on point with that. With what that do you line. mean? Why do you say that? Oh, you know, he didn't make that up himself. Shut up. That was, it was a whole... You, come on. You've been enough famous people to know that they don't make their own shit up. What year was this? He had a ghost I'm not really good with history. You, you are. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think the PR people were thinking about what would be Instagram or Netflix worthy. Uh, there's four thinkers back then, babe. What do you think about that? Well, so we watched this together for the first time a few nights before I publicly came forward with my situation and my sexual assault allegations. And that was a really important thing for me. And I didn't plan that. We just watched it when it came out. And when I heard that, it gave me all the feels. Because I think so often we get caught up in this web of shame of criticism and so many people coming at us. And I knew that that's what I was willingly walking into, that I was walking into a place where I was just going to walk into a shit storm of people saying things about me, good, bad, ugly, whatever. And hearing that just made me remember and realize that if you do things that matter, if you do things that are important, if you do things that are within your value system that are in alignment for you... You get to let all of that go. And the criticism from people that are not in the same space as you, that don't deserve to get to have an opinion of your life, no longer matter. And so that was a really important moment for me to let go of that before I even stepped into it. And I think it really helped me deal with that scenario. Makes sense for sure. You know, something that, that, that Jordan Peterson says that I really, really appreciate, and I've thus regurgitated several times um, is is about being honest. Mm-hmm. It's just in one of the book, one of the rules and 12 rules for life is tell the truth or at least don't lie. Mm-hmm. And that's something he said was, if you say what you know to be true, the best possible outcome will occur, mm-hmm. which I think is is a strong promise. If you say what, what you what you believe to be true, then the best possible outcome will occur. And that's not that's not necessarily the easiest or most desirable even will occur, but but the best for you. And that may that that may transcend what you even know is possible or or that you're even capable of. And I think there's something that's really that that quote actually came up a ton for me when you were going through your whole experience. Mm-hmm. Because I was more or less a bystander. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And, and behind the scenes. Thank God for you. But yeah, I, I'm glad. And it's funny how that, that I thought about that knowing what we were going into or you were going into. I thought about that whenever she said that as well. Well-timed for you. Yeah, it was really well-timed. And it's it's amazing. You know, shame has been such a big part for everyone. I think for both of us, we've dealt with that a lot. But anytime you take a step outside the box and you are willing to say something that makes people uncomfortable, 
you kind of get into this space of someone's going to say something and it's mm-hmm. it can be really painful. And I used to let that stuff just dictate my whole life. And I was such a people pleaser and I so wanted everyone to like me and I only wanted people to say nice things. And and now at 31 and you know, coming forward with something like that and leaving my job and making different choices for myself and being in a place where I have a platform that I get to talk about uncomfortable topics that I know kind of are cringeworthy sometimes. You know this better than I do, but... <laughs> what are you trying to say? You, te- you teeter that line way more than I do, honey. <laughs> um, I think you you get to... You get thicker skin, but you also get more comfortable in making people uncomfortable you realize that it's okay to take that step and there is no shame in that. I was saying to someone um, the other day, there's there's only shame that we carry if we don't take that step, if we don't really own our truth. There's no shame in owning your truth. I can't sleep at night if I don't own my truth. I feel bad about myself if I don't say what I really mean and feel. I've got a question. Yeah. What does it mean to own your truth? That's, I mean, that, there's so many... I was actually on a show today talking about this. There's so many, uh, I would say, like self-help tropes mm-hmm. and a lot of little quips like that. Like what is... That's one of those things that in my coaching program, I talk about this a ton. Is like, what does that mean to you? So what does it mean to you for, to you to own your truth for me, specifically? Yeah. For me, it is being honest about what I've gone through, what has been hard for me, what I have learned, and what I truly feel. And, you know, Malcolm, one of my healers was here yesterday. And something that I've been working through is the old version of me is very harshly judging the new version of me. And, you know, I've been crying a lot in the last week um, for a lot of reasons. (laughs) Thank you for (laughs) holding me. But I think what what I realized after seeing him last night, what came up for me was that I'm sort of mourning this death of the old version of me because I wasn't in my truth. I was living for likes. I was doing things that other people wanted me to do. I was doing a job that I didn't love because I felt like I was supposed to. And I had kept doing that in all facets of my life, relationships and work and the environment and the place I lived. And it was all for other people. And then... Now it's so opposite of that. I do what I love. I'm only around people I love. My my tribe is very curated on purpose. There's all these things that go into that. That is my truth. People that are good and devoted and honest and real and only bring light and love into my life. And I only do things that I really want to and care about and love so much. I own my truth in that way. So there's this concept of mourning the death of the old version of me that is very judgmental of the new one because there's no place for that anymore. Yeah. Huh. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. When when do you feel like that? And we're going so off topic here because we're okay. kind of doing the, a review of a, of a talk. But yeah. when do you feel like the... Actually, I'll ask you like this and not, not to be incoherent here, but she talks about that quote, mm-hmm. right? The Theodore Roosevelt quote. Mm-hmm. Brene Brown says, there's a life before that quote yes. and a life after that quote, right? I have a quote like that. I have a moment like that mm-hmm. in my life. There's my life up until that realization and there's my life after that. Mm-hmm. What is that for you? Like your life before that and then your life after that. There's that tipping point. You can call it an inflection point. You can call it an event horizon, whatever the hell you want to call it. 
What was that for you? It's interesting. I feel like there's a few of them, but the moment I'm thinking of right now is when I called my boss and I quit my job and I just completely stepped away and that was it. And I remember the relief that I felt because it was like the weight of the world had lifted off my shoulders and this this life I was living was no longer for me and I I really stepped away and that was it. I drew the line, I fucking stood up for myself and I was like, <laughs> we are done. And I've been a different person since then. And I have allowed myself to expand since then. But it was only because I had the courage to do that, that Mm -hmm. I was able to become this person and this version of myself. You know, it's funny. I think about, you know, I definitely did something. It it looked different for sure that because I thought I was supposed to. And that was for me, it was owning my own business. Whenever, whatever the business was, it didn't really matter. Whatever I was doing, I need to be owning a business in that. Um, and that was that was something that I was I was told for a long time, and I, I'm kind of grateful that I never had high level validation for it like you did, because mm-hmm. I don't think I ever would have stopped. Mm-hmm. I think I have, and, and this is something I'm pretty honest about. And I think I have the propensity to be highly narcissistic in the right environment. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like I'm flammable under certain conditions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and lucky for me, I mean, and I've been in and out of those, right? Like yeah. I've seen myself as in in my twenties getting highly validated and and having a lot of success early and fast, and or, and definitely earning it. It wasn't that I didn't, but it was definitely me earning it on top of a fuck ton of privilege that went along with it. So I'm I'm always curious to think if I would have. I always say like, well, if I would have went to a different school with better coaches, then I would have, you know, gone to a division one college instead of a division three college. And I would have, then that would have been a whole different life path. But it's, I don't know, you know, knowing myself now and the mistakes I made, like, I don't know where or how I would have, how I would have handled, I don't think I could have handled success well. Mm. It's very, it's very interesting to think about. That's even when I talked about when we, when we met. Um, and I was if there was definitely shame around that for myself as well. But when we met, I was I, I was reflecting on that and realizing that for us to be what we are, I had to meet you in the position that I was in with the life experience that I had. What is that? It became mean? very valuable. Um, it was, I mean, all of that, right? Like I don't think I would have been had the space in my life for a relationship like what we are building if I would have had let's say like a magnitude of success like I thought I always wanted. Right. Because I, I, and I think it's hard to be honest with yourself about things like arrogance mm-hmm. and validation. And, and that's honestly led back to shame for me because one thing I've started getting really inquisitive with people about that I work with is, is locating in your life and, and journaling about where's the shame. Mm-hmm. Just ask yourself that question. Where's the shame? Like, like, I know mine's a lot around my my body, or it was for a long time. So it's like, what does that mean? Okay, well, if you know that's where it's at, then what does that mean? And, and yeah, I think it was a lot of, there was a lot of, of, I guess, the fear of not being enough that still comes up. So it's, that's, and again, it's all shame-based. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very wild how pervasive shame is. It's so intense. And it can run your life. And I think I said it earlier, but for me, it ran every aspect of my life. And it's funny, like even, you know, Caleb Campbell was here the other day and we were talking and we were talking about 
working through sex shame. And so much of what he does <laughs> is that. And I've had a lot of that in my own life too. So if yeah. you haven't listened to that episode, you need to listen to it because Caleb is amazing. And I loved our conversation around that. But to me, I don't know how you feel. Every single person that I am meeting right now in my life, you included, I'm working through some aspect of shame and they are bringing to light something for me in an amazing way. They're they're mirroring it, mirroring it or have gone through it as well. And so it's giving me permission. And I told Caleb this. I said, I have permission to talk about my own sex shame because you have talked about it and opened the floodgates for me. And every single person has done that. And Brene talks about that in the special. She says... How do we expect other people to show up and be vulnerable and work through their own stuff and their own shame if we won't do it ourselves? And we're so scared to do it ourselves. But it's it's just amazing to me how every person I'm meeting right now is really allowing me to do that work. And of course, it takes me being willing to do it. But it's just so... It's so cool to meet other people that have the courage to do it. Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel like I would be here without every single person that's showing up in my life right now. I like that a lot. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. So what was the next point in that special that you thought was impactful? Let me open up my notes, babe. You took you took ample notes and I want to say I want to notes while you made me pizza like the best boyfriend ever. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) You guys, it's Friday night. It is almost nine o'clock. I'm in pajamas, Connor's in jeans, because that's how we roll. He made me pizza while we watched Brene Brown for the second time. And now we are recording a podcast at our kitchen table. It's, it's, it was, it's been a good night. It's like the dream weekend starter. Right I, had a, now. I had a cold beer, which I would kind of wish oh, I had yeah. another one. I might, I, might, I might sneak over there next time you're on a rant and grab another one. <laughs> Sounds about right. It's Friday. You know, I got to go for it. I like that. So the next thing she said was being vulnerable and working through shame is the key to wholehearted living and loving. Totally get that. Damn. Which is funny because I think... Okay, so let's let's look at it this way. And, and something I really enjoy doing is breaking down quotes and seeing what she said. Will you say that again? The key... the uh, Working through shame and being vulnerable is the key to wholehearted living and loving. And I think when you, when you look at that, vulnerability is, is like that's, that's the solution, right? To shame. Like it's okay, but vulnerability... And I think that vulnerability needs to be... This is this may be an unpopular opinion, but I think vulnerability needs to be very intentional. Yes. I think intentional vulnerability is, 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 the, is an indicator that someone has done their quote-unquote work and, and is, a, it, it is empathetic and emotionally intelligent. I think people can be like over-the-top vulnerable and, and to the point of having really poor boundaries. But I think when you know... What vulnerability means to you, and how, and, and almost can can channel through the areas in your life that contain shame. You know, for me, that comes up, and I think about that. I, I, I think a lot of this like shame that I feel now is not about my physical body. It's not about my sexuality. Like that for ten years or so, that was the case. I think, but now it's like business shame or money shame, and and then I'll like. Um, shame myself into thinking that I need more things that I need to like get click funnels or something like that or that I need to like be more like you know 
some podcast guests that I don't podcast hosts that I don't even have an ounce of respect for mm-hmm. that I know are completely full of shit. But I'm like, oh, well, the validation that they get is something that I want. So I start shaming myself into thinking that I need to be more like someone that I don't even respect or appreciate in the world or at all. Mm-hmm. And it's the funniest thing to me. And I'm like, wow. So for me, the vulnerability around that shame is talking about that. Like what I just did, I guess. I yeah. guess that's vulnerable in some way. Uh, it doesn't feel that way. But it's it is. It it's because you do it so much. It's like you're in I'm the like, zone. With and that's the thing is like, uh, even with my business, I'm like, I have a simple business and I pride myself on a simple business. Do not try and tell me something. Sell me something I don't fucking need. I don't need click funnels. I don't need 14 landing pages. I don't need to convince anybody to buy things from me. Mm-hmm. Like that's not what I do. And but you're was, a simple took, man. You have a different way of living. And it was, and it's like that's that's the way that I go. But I felt like that's in alignment with my values. Mm-hmm. And if you find what those values are, like you said, I'm a, I'm a simple. I live simply in certain ways, and I value that. And I discovered that value by getting past fucking shame, being vulnerable <laughs> with what I with what I really enjoy, and honest about what I what I really enjoy about life and the people around me. What do I notice? Mm-hmm. What do I notice in the world that I value? And as opposed to what is the world telling me that I should need? That's a different conversation. And when you when you start to think about the world outside of you as something that is really a reflection of your internal landscape, well, then I think, okay, what do I notice in the world that I value truly that resonates with me? And then how can I use that as a reflection to what I value about myself? Mm-hmm. And for me, that's become very impactful because I get to say, it's either fuck yes or a no. I don't, it's just, that's what it is. And it's fun that way. It makes my life so much more fun because I'm free. It's like, yeah, I'm wrong sometimes. Sue me. Mm-hmm. Send me a negative message and see how many fucks I give. I promise you it's going to be real close to zero. Yeah. What are you? What am I going to do? I'm just trying to do the best I can. Yeah. You know? Can you explain more <laughs> about, I love that, about intentional vulnerability? Because I think that is a fine line that we straddle. Even I find that, I mean, you read my posts, like you know what I'm talking about. And sometimes I'm like, is this too far? Like if I really just push this beyond what it needs to be, but I want to be honest and really share my heart. So I think it's hard for people. Uh, yeah, I think it's so intentional vulnerability. No, this isn't something that I've spent a ton of time thinking about, but that really resonated with me in that in that statement. And I think that for for you to be vulnerable, for you to be vulnerable, you have to have connection, right? You, I can't talk to that wall over there and be vulnerable with the wall. What does that do for me? I would love to watch right? you. Right. So again, yeah, like, <laughs> can I film hey, that? <laughs> hey, hey, accent wall of the apartment. Um, if you're very, you got a great blue. Um, Shout going, out, Carrie. And yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so here's really what I'm struggling with. Like I just, I have a lot of shame around masturbation. Uh, no, but you think about this and, and for you to be vulnerable, you need connection. Right and, and vulnerable, it's 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 a it's a positive feedback loop when you have vulnerability and connection. You, they, they require each other, right? To, to have strong connection, you need to be vulnerable. To have vulnerability, you need someone to connect and, and hear you and feel you. I think I think Instagram does it in a way, but I think a lot of times you're not necessarily processing in social media, mm-hmm. right? You're processing and getting the language around it in your journaling practice or with people that you trust. So I think that some people. In a, in, in a dialogue, right? Say of the first time we met, I just like spilled the beans, right? I was like, and my mom, I have abandonment issues. And then this relationship, this happened. And then this happened. And, so, and it just spins up too much. And it's like, are you being vulnerable? Or are you just fucking complaining about things? Mm-hmm. That's a different conversation, right? So it's understanding and having the social intelligence and the emotional intelligence to know like, okay, 
here's the conversation that we're on. Here's the topic that we're on. And here's where the shame comes. This is a, this is a, a hot button issue for me. This is something I have experience with, something I'm working through. Can I articulate that better? Have I journaled about it? Mm-hmm. Right? That's one thing that I think if, if you can't be vulnerable with yourself on the pages, well, then you have no business talking to somebody about it because you haven't even practiced with yourself first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can you can you put it out where the only judgment that's going to come into your world in the in journaling practice is your own? Mm-hmm. So if you're having trouble there, well then that's 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 an in, that's an inside job, right? So you gotta work that out and then get really good at, at articulating it. And then once you can start to be very intentional with the way that you the way that you create a dialogue around your issues and even asking for, you can ask for a conversation, right? You can ask someone to, to hold space for you, but knowing who that is, knowing when it's appropriate, knowing that the strong boundaries help you create a more vulnerable space, mm-hmm. but that takes understanding what your boundaries are and who you're talking to. Do you feel that we were intentionally vulnerable the first day that we met? Yeah. And we've been getting progressively more vulnerable over time. Mm-hmm. Like we were, ta- we were like kind of telling like, stories about our exes at first on voice memos and just kind of like shooting the shit. And then we started sharing songs. Sharing songs is a great way to start getting vulnerable. By yeah. the way. It's like, here's somebody else saying this thing that I don't really, I'm not really brave enough to say yeah, right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you didn't know that I was trying to flirt with you. Well, I was sending the songs that you were sending me to other people and trying to get a poll whether yeah. what you were trying to say via that song. <laughs> yeah, it was really cute times for my... I was very confused. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so cute. So is I. It's fine. I think that you bring up boundaries. And I think that's a really important part of this conversation too, is so often we want to include everyone in our vulnerability, but that's not necessarily the space for that or the right way. Not right way. You can go about it however you want, but the most beneficial way to go about it. How do you go about picking who you're going to be vulnerable with and the way you open up and the layers at which you will go with to with different people. You listen first. Yeah. Like listen to the person, feel what you're feel like trust your I mean not not that everybody can has a keen sense of their intuition that takes practice too, but it's like what what do you, what do you feel with the person? Mm-hmm. You feel safe with that person. Have they been through some shit? They may, and that's why mentors are so important. Like, have you, have you been through an experience with someone that that has given you an indicator via their actions and how they show up in the world that they're someone that is capable of 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 being an unbiased or, or as close as you can get to unbiased partner or part of your. Uh, your experience. Mm-hmm. I think that's super valuable, but that's just, that's just being, that's just having a kind of inquisitive and curious way about creating connections in your life. Mm-hmm. So she said this after she talked about the lake situation with her husband. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was really funny. Was like denying her, right? <laughs> that was a very dramatic that experience was really for both intense. of them. Yeah. But she said, when you can sit with someone in shame and vulnerability and not be the fixer of all things, and it means that you've done your work. So you want to sit with someone who has done their work and it is reflected in the way they hold space for you. And you're not triggering and you know throwing shit in their face. I think that's important. You want to sit with someone that knows themselves and has done work with themselves before you open yourself up to that conversation. 
Well, yeah, because then you're just otherwise you're just put you might as well be talking to that accent wall over there, like we we're just saying, right. right? It's like it's somebody, it's 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 somebody, but it also takes. This is a thought that I just had. It takes being vulnerable to know that you can sit down with someone who can actually see you. Mm. Like that takes honest vulnerability. Because I'm, I'm talking to somebody who doesn't get it. And I'm just talking and they're just like, yeah, man, you know what? Like, and they're kind of rooting you on or, or telling you that, yeah, you should be upset about that. And you have every right to feel upset about that. Well, they're, just, they're just commiserating with you. But can you be vulnerable enough to sit down with somebody who actually fucking gets it? Husband and wife of 20 some odd years probably gets it. Mm-hmm. Probably knows you better than you know yourself in some ways. Well, that's and, vulnerable. Yeah, and allow yeah, allowing yourself to be seen and you're the first person I've truly allowed myself to be seen with and it's fucking scary cuz you have really seen me and I have opened myself up and it has been very uncomfortable and it's brought up a lot of things for me. Part of why I've been crying so much. <laughs> and it's scary like I keep telling you I'm scared that I'm going to freak you out and make you not want to be in this because I feel crazy sometimes or I'm crying or I'm working through something and it doesn't make sense in my head or I'm having like yesterday where I'm crying and laughing at the same time and this duality of emotions. And I'm like, he's going to think I'm a nut job. And that's really scary because... And you always tell me you're not in it for all like, you know, the flowers and rainbows. You're in it for all of it, which I appreciate so much, but that's like a really scary place to go with someone. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think that she says this too, which I love. She says, you can't have true joy and true love and be seen without vulnerability. And taking a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about being... There's a certain, there's a certain level like being... I think this is really important for people that are risk averse, naturally speaking. Mm-hmm. Like I never had... Like I grew up... And even even with... So the, say the situation, right? I always love to think about how one gets good at handling the things that they're good at handling. And and I have an issue, generally speaking, with what I call like... I've started to call untested men, right? And this is maybe just untested people in general, but it, it manifests in a really obvious way with men that I know. And, and I think that for you, like the influx of emotions and the, and the changing, constantly changing state of being for you right now... Isn't uncom- I've been dealing with constantly changing and fluctuating realities since I was a child, right? Like I had to get good at riding that, riding that mechanical bull of craziness. <laughs> That's a weird analogy. Are you comparing me to a mechanical? No, no, bull? Just, just life in general. So it's like, so it's like, for example, and people don't know this. Like my part-time job in high school was playing poker. I learned how to play poker when I was five years old. So I could count when I started learning how to play count. I could play poker. What is that? That's high risk. High reward, constantly fluctuating mm-hmm. game of understanding people. That's it. Yeah, it's, that's you. That's it. That's all <laughs> I've done, right? And then I also grew up working in oil and gas construction. Well, what is... You wanna, you wanna, let's, let's do this. Kelly, what if I was like, hey, we're going to spend a million dollars and we're going to put a hole in the ground and hopefully it'll make us more than a million dollars for the next five years. What do you think about that? That sounds really scary to me. Yeah. It's awesome. That was super fucking normal for me growing up. Yeah. So it's like when things are changing all the time, and not to mention the fact that my mom was a fucking addict. Also, <laughs> like the crazy shit was going on. It's like it's just been my it's been my norm sometimes to where the the shadow side of that for me is that I don't get excited about things. Mm. Right? Like things change so much that like I'm like when people something's like, hey, this is really like for example, you had really exciting news. You were just telling me earlier, 
and I'm genuinely excited for you. And I don't have a, I'm not good. I'm not good at showing it. I don't even know how to get excited. Mm. Like I get excited about Game of Thrones. Yeah, you do. But it's like, that's like, even that's like a, that's like you a superfluous. Cry. You get very vulnerable around Game <laughs> of Thrones, babe. But it's, 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 you see what I'm saying? Like everything has a shadow. So for me, it's really vulnerable to like feel awkward when someone else is excited and you don't, I don't, that's one of the only emotions that I can't really like empathize with. Mm. Like even in that, in that situation, I felt awkward. I noticed you walked out of the room. Yeah, I, I don't feel, I, I feel like, huh. Okay. And I'm like, but I'm also stoked for you, but I don't know how to, I don't know how to genuinely show it. Mm-hmm. I can show when you're upset, I can like really do that thing really, really well yeah. and like feel very useful. And I think that's important for men to feel useful. Mm-hmm. But I feel really, this is so funny, this is coming up. I know. Feel really vulnerable in that state when you're like clearly super excited about some awesome news. And I'm like, I don't know how to feel that. <laughs> so is there, so what do you want to do with that? I'm not that worried about it. I, I'm more worried about the way that it affects other people. Right. Like I, I think about it as like... I think one of the best things about life is that we get to choose our sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, that comes back to vulnerability. Like do you, would you, do you have more self-respect for yourself because you're able to be vulnerable in a situation and you can take a fucking chance. Mm. Like you might fall on your face. You're, go- you're definitely going to, like she says in the, in, the, in the show, you're going to fall on your face. It's not, a, it, oh, I'll risk failing. It's like, oh no, you're going to fail. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed failure. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to handle, right? So can you respect yourself while you're like picking yourself back up and wipe, wiping the dirt off your face in life? So for me, I know I would rather be able to handle chaos calmly at the expense of not being very excited about things sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's, a, that's a chosen sacrifice for me. Because mm-hmm. I don't get riled up when shit goes sideways. It's fine. Well, and it's interesting to me too, because you know I get very excited about things. I'm very excitable by nature. Um, so being with someone that doesn't, that it's twofold. One, it could hurt my feelings that you're not as excited as me about something like that. Or two, it's like nice to have that grounding of steadiness in all facets of my life. Yeah. And it's the where it gets in it to be an issue is if you want everything from one person. Right. Like you, that way, you know, in a relationship, like if you want someone to be excited for you, right, call one of your friends. And I'm not going to take it personally and be like, I'm not the first one to get some news. And I'll be, I, but I am excited for you. I just don't show it in the same, mm-hmm. in the same way. I felt you being excited for me. Yeah. yeah but you just didn't look like I was excited. No, it did. <laughs> but then you like ran away and I was like, what just happened? <laughs> but then I don't know. But you're, we're, you're also going through some things today too. So I was like letting you have that too. There's like yeah, that balance. Yeah, I have a lot of my mind for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I'm also like, you'll see it, you'll notice it, and we're going down this rabbit hole. But like when I, I get a new car soon, mm-hmm. which is something that's on my mind a lot, and I'll be excited for six hours, you know? And then I'll be like, oh, it's just my car now. Like, I don't think, you know what I mean? Totally. It's, it's like now it's just like a thing I have to deal with every month. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so while you were talking about that, something that came up for me, and I don't really know the difference is, what's the difference between insecurities and shame? Oh man, that's a really good question. I think I process this out, I guess. Well, what do you think it is? I feel like it's kind of one and the same. I feel like your insecurities are your shame or your shame. It's like the chicken before the egg. And I'm I'm saying this as I'm thinking about it. So if it doesn't make sense, I apologize. But 
your shame can create your insecurities or vice versa. Like, for example, let's be vulnerable. One of my big things is like past relationships that you've had. And it gets to me when you talk about other women. And I don't know if there is... If, if I know I'm insecure about that because it makes me feel less than. So if you dated someone that... And I'm turning red and I'm getting hot talking about this. <laughs> if you talk about someone and I'm like, oh, well, she's so pretty and she did this or whatever it is. And then I feel lesser and I feel bad about myself. And then I feel shame around my body or that I'm not successful enough or I haven't done this thing. What's the... like? Is it insecure or is it shame? I don't know. And what caused what? See, I don't think this is man. This is really fun to look into because it feels like I'm. People are like yelling at us right now. I know. To this, like, you don't know the fucking difference. Look it up. Um, My community is very kind and loving. That's true. Thanks, Mine guys. is too. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I think I think that, but that doesn't sound that doesn't sound or feel like shame. Hmm. Really, I think shame has a little runs a little deeper. Yeah. I think shame, and that may be like an offshoot of some kind of. But shame. then, if it if it makes me feel not good enough, there's there good not good enough is shame. Well, what I would say to that is nothing can make you feel anything, right? <laughs> That's yes. like not the thing that you want to tell a woman when she's upset about something. Totally. But you can tell me now because I'm good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like it's like it, the feeling's already there. Yeah, it's like showing you a feeling that already exists. Exactly. So that would be an to me that would be an insecurity. But I think. You know, shame is kind of the root of it, but it's it was it's like if you you had to you had to follow the insecurities down, you get to the shame. Yeah, and yeah, the shame yeah, yeah. is like the shame may have like five or six, like the little shame seed may have like five or six little offshoots that are coming up as insecurities. But you got you know you got to track them down. That's why I say when people do certain like personal development work or plant medicine work, like the stuff at the beginning is easy. It's mm-hmm. like oh cool, this is this little thing. Here's this thing. You're like picking the low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And then once you do it for a while, you got to get the fucking ladder out. And this is why I think that a lot of people go into some deep spiritual bypassing. The more they get into, the more work they get into, they get more articulate and, and have deeper language and deeper understandings, quote unquote, understandings of themselves for more and more plant medicine ceremonies. And they just end up bypassing their own Can bullshit. Can you explain what spiritual bypassing is? Spiritual bypassing is essentially, so I would call it spiritual and psychological bypassing or personal development languaging bypassing. Um, is essentially using well-articulated language that kind of goes over people's heads to talk about your problems that are actually solving them. So you may be saying like fully accepting and articulating that you have avoidance issues or, or abandonment issues or something like that, but you, you're just talking around it without ever getting into it. So you're bypassing it. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like building a bridge over the issue without actually solving the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And you see, you see it a ton with people. So people get super deep into plant medicine, especially. Gotta love that plant medicine. What were we talking about before that, though? Have we what? what were we, oh, shame and shame and insecurities. But yeah, I think yeah, I think what the difference is. to me, insecurities seem a little bit more superficial, and shame is around the the thought that you're not enough. So if it's physical manifestation of like insecurities, and yeah, yeah. That, that's like the the shame seed is like. Oh, I don't believe that I'm enough, or like my body's been awkward for so long, which is something you and I share, which I think is nice. We can resonate on that. Like mm-hmm. awkward, too big for the world. <laughs> so, Bodies. you guys, you will probably see these pictures surface soon publicly, but Connor and I had a beach photo shoot the other day and we were adorable. Thank you, Megan, my amazing photographer, for dealing with us for three hours. 
But we did this picture where he picked me up and put me on top of his shoulders. (laughs) And I looked ginormous. It was really cute. So we've decided that we're going to Photoshop it and make me smaller. (laughs) Well, the thing about it is like normal. Like from the weight, from like the hips up, we're kind of the same height. We are. So it looks like I have such a long ass torso. Yeah. And I'm like all legs. That's the funniest thing. It's so funny. It's absurd. Oh my God. Hey, babe, guess what? What? I have the most amazing event coming up. And I know you know about it because you're speaking at it. Am I? You are. I gave you 45 minutes. You gave me 45 minutes or I earned 45 minutes? You earned that shit. Damn. 45 minutes at Ceremony Wellness Live on October 5th. Are you ready? Talking about experience and expression. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, of course I am. Well, what are you going to say? Well, give give us a little snippet of what you're going to talk about. I mean, since we're on talking about shame right now, we're talking about shame boundaries. Mm. Ooh. Damn. I mean, just generally how boundaries on your experience... Put boundaries on your expression, obviously. That's so good. Cause and effect, baby. Yeah. I know you're looking forward to live. We talk about it every day because you hear me planning it with my team and all the things. But what are you most looking forward to and being in that room that day? Well, that's not really a fair question because it's... I mean, because you'll be doing your thing and that's like really... Aww. I admire the shit out of that. So Thanks. I'll be. that's what I'm most looking forward to is seeing you do your thing and bring all these kick-ass women together, mostly women. Yeah. And then a few of us guys that'll yeah. probably be like hanging out in the corner. You, Ryan, Dr. Lekos, and the few guys that have the courage, the call, what is it? <laughs> have the call to courage have the to call step, to into, courage to step to into the live. room. Well, you know, if I, was, if I wasn't speaking at live, where would I go to get a ticket to live? You can go to kellytenant.com slash live to get your tickets. Come hang out with me and Connor and all of our peeps. In LA. It'll be October 5th in Los Angeles. Boom. Which I just locked down to the location today. You guys are going to love it. I'm excited about it. I can't wait. Very. <laughs> the thing I wanted to bring up next was um, in line with this is she talks about how we reserve using people's vulnerability against them for the people that we love the most. <laughs> and we both like laughed and kind of nodded our heads when, we, when she said this. But... <sighs> How do we go about not doing this? And I, she talks about this and it goes back to the boundaries conversation of, I think, knowing yourself and being sure enough in yourself and doing your own work so that you don't immediately react and respond with that snap in the face, you know? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Elaborate on that. I think that when I am feeling sure of myself and I have done work to uncover my own insecurities and my own shame and and be vulnerable with myself, if it's journaling practices, whatever that looks like, I am less likely to throw something in your face. Yeah. But if I haven't done that, that's my immediate reaction because it's a fear-based response. I am uncomfortable. So I'm throwing something in your face because it makes me feel better. Yeah. And I don't think... so. You know, I would look at that from, and I, you know, the clear distinction between you and I and the way that we like look at things is like there's a spiritual component to things and there's like a psychological component to things. Mm-hmm. So I think when I look at that, I, that to me is, is the difference in, um, God, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole if you want me to. Please. Okay. So that's like what, what, uh, what they would call like taking the low road. Mm-hmm. It's like the limbic system, right? right? So you've told me things that, 
or you, you were vulnerable with me about things. And I subconsciously think about it as like loaded a clip <laughs> of ammo in the back of my head mm-hmm. of like things that I can use to like jab at you if I feel insecure to deflect. So in a triggered situation, because I haven't handled my own, maybe there's an insecurity or something or some kind of resentment that's undealt with. Because that's again, vulnerability is, is, is a great way in vulnerable conversations, challenging conversations are a great way to, to dissolve resentment. And resentment is a big trigger. People don't think about this mm-hmm. within your internal dialogue with yourself, especially with partners. So you've been vulnerable with me. You say something that triggers me in some way because there's some kind of resentment or tension that's unresolved. And then I go into essentially like a fight state, right? Fight, flight, freeze, that whole thing. And that's, that's a very um, base level animal response. And given the fact that language is an important part of our psychological communication, that comes out as I'm taking the limbic system, the low road. I'm taking the, like, the lizard brain, as they, some people call it. And that goes right to let me like use this ammo that I have against you mm-hmm. as a person. So it's like the reason that we can reserve and use people's vulnerability against them and the people that are closest to us because we have the most ammunition ammunition on the, on those people. Mm-hmm. That being said, I was one of the best slash worst at this for my entire twenties. Didn't you say you used to do this with your mom too? Oh, my mom would get the worst of it. Yeah. Well, she would we'd do it to each other. Yeah. We were just mirroring each other's shit right. constantly. But it wasn't, I mean, that was, that was pretty easy to see how that was going down. But like with people in my, it was other people in my life. Like mm-hmm. if I felt wronged by someone, I didn't even need, think about it was, they didn't even have to be vulnerable with me. I could just like pick up on their shit. I was really keen at picking up people's patterns. Same way I am now. Mm-hmm. I just, now I do it to help people. And then, you know, I was like, it was not that was not the case. <laughs> you know what this just reminded me of, and maybe it's different, but the other night when I was talking to you and I, I was feeling uncomfortable and we had this without getting into full detail, I feel like we're just putting our entire relationship on display. Yeah, well, you're show. the one that said we need to own this whole like couple thing. So <laughs> fucking hey, here we are. <laughs> this is us, guys. So we're having this conversation and I'm telling you about how I feel. And it seems to me like you're still attached to this old version of your life. And I, I, I wasn't liking it. And it was this whole thing. And I was explaining this all to you. And then you just sat there and you like listened and you took it. And it was, you know, we had a conversation about it. But then I came back later and I was like, it's actually because I'm scared that you're going to go back to that or you're going to make a choice that's not me. How do you? In that situation where you know that that's really nothing to do with you, that's my own fear and vulnerability and my own shame mm-hmm. and my own insecurity. How do you like navigate that? Do you Does think I make... navigated it in some like superior way? No, I guess you just like let me come to it myself. Well, I'll tell you what was going through my mind. Maybe that can be helpful. Yeah. Is that uh, you were saying that and actually Mark Groves talking about this mm-hmm. and I didn't say it out loud, but I was like, So for example, outside of our relationship, before I met you, women would tell me that like my heart was closed. Mm. I didn't believe that. I didn't think that was true, but I always considered it. And I I live a life where I think there are people that are close to me that know me better than I know myself and can observe me in a way that I can never see myself, which is from the outside. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying that, and I trust you, it's worth me investigating before I react. Mm-hmm. 
so I can actually respond. So you said that, and I was like, huh. I don't think that that's true. It doesn't feel. It doesn't feel true. It doesn't feel like I'm avoiding it. I think I've actually done a lot of work around like that old version of my life that I actually like resent, <laughs> resented, and kind of have processed and made sense of. And and I find high value of making sense of my past. Um, something I think is very very important for life and parenting and all that kind of fun stuff and having a healthy relationship. So when you said it, I didn't really feel true to me. And when you came back a little later and said that. Which is essentially you were you were projecting right. your fears onto me, which is wasn't the case. And I'd given you, I guess I'd get, kind of given you reason to. I think I'd said yeah. something or just like something I didn't think twice about because it had it didn't register to me as being substantial at all. And to you, it was like poking an insecurity. Yeah. And then you came back to me and said, "This is my experience, and this is what I think now." That felt distinctly different. Right. Like I was like, "That feels true," mm-hmm. and I didn't say, okay, well, it's your fault now. It was like, well, I played a part in that. Now I can conduct myself differently. There's no skin off my back to like, mm-hmm. to, to not say the thing that I said that was like inconsequential to me, but triggered you in some way. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of glad I did now because you get to see that and then we get to have a conversation around yeah. it. So, so, but like, I guess for, for people, not just couples, but just in general, when you're having these conversations and something like that comes up and someone comes to you the way I came to you and I said, this is making me feel this way. I feel insecure, whatever it is, or I don't, I'm being vulnerable. I don't like how this is making me feel. To not rush to like judge or yeah. like, like attack back and just really hear what the person is saying and talk through it. I think that's one of the hardest things. Well, I think that one of the hardest things is too exactly. I think that you know if we had like a right and wrong approach to it, right. the way you went, we had a pretty easy dualistic approach there, right? The way that you went about it the first hand was, I think that you you think this, which is a two assumptions, right? You're thinking that I'm thinking a thing. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not. I'm like, oh, okay. And the second, I'm like, maybe I don't know. It this is making seem... me sound so bad. No, it's not. This is normal shit. It's like, and I'll I'll do the same thing. But then you came back and you're like, my experience is this, right? And I think that if you when you lead with like my experience of the situation or what you know, I'm uh, and in in language in a way that's that's ownership of your own experience, mm-hmm. right? Like I can't make you feel anything. You can make me feel anything, but I can experience frustration because of something you said. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> you didn't make me feel frustrated and I'm not frustrated, but I'm experiencing frustration. Right. So it makes everything temporary, which everything is temporary. So you came back and that was that was the dialogue and it was an easy, like, not that big of a deal learning lesson that we can hopefully take into things that actually are more substantial because that small circumstance wasn't that big of a deal. But I think when you could own your experience, I talk about people about, to people about this all the time. No one can make you feel anything own your experience. Whenever you discuss your experience, whenever you're talking about your experience, it's your experience. You don't know what someone else is thinking. You can't live life in someone else's eyes, right? Your perspective of them is through your experience and through your lens that your life has crafted and shaped for you. So know that, understand that. The way you see the world is the way you see the world. And that's one of the only unique things about you. So, so really look at that and think about that whenever you're judging someone else for the way that they're quote unquote making you feel. Mm. Does that answer your question at all? It does. And it also brings up the idea of codependence. 
so we get so wrapped up in each other's emotions and you made me feel this way. And so now this, or I'm having a tough day and then I'm crying to you. And then now your whole day is fucking ruined because you're so wrapped <laughs> up in me and it's like a whole thing. Yeah, I've noticed that you do a really good job of not taking on my emotions just because I'm having a tough time. Like you stay steady in who you are, yeah. which is a sociopath. new experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a new experience for me. And I think vice versa, like even the conversation we were having earlier about you feeling a little ungrounded and wanting to change a couple of things and us making adjustments and like how our living space and all of that. And I didn't take that on. I didn't all of a sudden feel what you were feeling, which was a new thing for me too. I was like able to listen to you and be there with you and talk through it. But I didn't all of a sudden be like... Ah, I feel this way too and whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't really know where I was going with this, but that's kind of what it brought up for me when you were talking about that. Yeah, no. The, I think that this... You know what? To bring it all the way back around to the very beginning of the podcast. Um, God, we just like we're professionals or something. <laughs> uh, I think that's permission, right? People think yeah. that a lot of times permission is the same thing as commiseration. Mm. And I think that I was a little bit like scattered and I had a lot of thoughts that I've been trying... And I journaled about them. I'd done my work, right? Like I journaled about them and like tried to get cohesive, but there was no real cohesive way for me to have that conversation. I just needed to like be kind of scattered and not make a ton of sense, which Mm -hmm. for me as a professional talker about things... (laughs) Could you put that in your bio? (laughs) Professional talker of things. It's really... That's an insecurity for me. Mm -hmm. So the last thing I need is for you to also be fucking scattered and all over the place. Like I need you to be like critical, organized, Mm -hmm. you know, orderly in the way that you're thinking about things. So I can be... That's giving me permission to be a little scattered. Mm -hmm. And me being, you know, stoic or grounded or whatever, fill in the blank with whatever fucking word resonates with you that means the exact same thing and play semantics with yourself. Sorry. Um, <laughs> about when you're when you're emotional, mm-hmm. right? I don't need to be emotional too. That doesn't give you permission to be more emotional. That actually means that now you have to manage my feelings right. instead of feeling your feelings as opposed to me laying there. Like there's... I, I mean, times... I think there's probably four times where you've been crying and I've had no idea what the fuck you're crying about. Right. And honestly, I care, but it's like I'm I'm... Usually thinking about other things. I'm like, really? Yeah, I'm. I'm like, because you can't know what I'm thinking. And it's you like, what am I supposed to do? Are you projecting? Yeah, I'm not, are you guessing? I'm, like, I'm not meditating, and I'm not. If I otherwise, I'd just be like, yeah, I would be. I would be less present because I'd be thinking about what you're thinking about. And yeah. it's like my me physically being here and just like, I'm not like think you know, I'm not like watching TV or checking my phone. Right. I'm just like. No, my, you're there with me. My I feel mind's, you my fully mind, yeah, present. My mind's doing things. You know. Interesting. It's very yeah. It's 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 funny, but that's just me being honest. It's like I don't, I'm not like, ah. <laughs> I'm like trying to make my heart like beat a certain tempo so it like is resonating with yours or something. It's just like I'm just there. You yeah. don't have to try it to be anything. Yeah, you know, and my mind just does what it does. Yeah, it was like a perfect example of that on the day of the press conference, and like we were getting ready to go out there, and I was a, a freaking wreck, of course, and like we just laid on the bed for a few minutes, and you just like I put your hand on my heart and like, I just breathed. Now I want to know what was going through your mind, what you were thinking about. In in, in that scenario, I was thinking about the press conference. I'm talking about when you came in here and I was just like, I was writing an Instagram post or something. I was like working on my phone and you just laid on me crying and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to keep thinking about what I was writing. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> I was like, trying there's to, nothing else I, I can do. Like trying to work. I'm like thinking about. I'm usually thinking about work. Yeah. It's like, oh, I got you know. Mm-hmm. You be sitting, you know, but then when we when we're talking, that's not the case. It's like very much. No, you're and you're always present though. You're present whether you're thinking about something else or not while I'm crying. Like yeah. you're very present. I feel very held and very seen. Well, it's mindfulness too. Is knowing yeah. when you're like, I like to let my mind wander and they go and turn it off. Uh huh. It's like now it's time. Yeah. Totally. What's next on the on the actual topic that we're talking about? Um, the role of practicing gratitude, and this is something that in my journaling practice has really transformed my life and the way I operate. And I wasn't... I don't think... And I've said this before, and I have a lot of guilt around this, is I don't think I practiced a lot of gratitude when I was growing up. And my parents did so much for me. And I don't think I showed them gratitude and how grateful I was. I still don't think I do in a lot of ways. But... In my journaling practice, every day I write what I'm grateful for and people, things, whatever it is. And it has really changed the way I view myself and it has brought so much more joy to my life. And when I start my day in gratitude, not only do I show up differently to everything and the way I operate, the way I talk, the way I view myself, but I'm just so much happier and I have joy and I let go of lots of things like insecurities and silly things that will pop up Mm -hmm. during the day because I have perspective on what gratitude does in my life. And when you come from a place of gratitude and being grateful for even the smallest things, like I'm grateful for the pizza I had for dinner, you know, like (laughs) which was so good, by the way. When you come from that place, it really shifts things where you don't think about negative stuff or things that would maybe eat at you in the same way had you not been in that place. So how does gratitude show up in your life and how does that impact your shame and and all of that? How does gratitude show up in my life? Is there, I write about or how it. do you utilize it? Yeah, I, I write about it every day. Yeah. I don't think about it. Um, I honestly don't think about it all that much. You know, I think when when we were talking earlier, like I felt like I wasn't doing, uh, you know, one thing that had me so scattered was that I didn't feel like I was doing a good, I was I wasn't doing good enough work, mm-hmm. and the work that I that I was putting out, just I wasn't satisfied with it, which I'm okay with. I think that that's a good, actually a healthy feeling as long as it's appropriate. It's not like I'm only making half a million dollars this year. Like that's not where I'm at, right? So it's 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 not like some kind of unhealthy thing. But and I was I was talking through that with you, and you were kind of sitting there with me as I was talking through, I was like, I just feel like one thing I resented about myself was that I didn't work hard enough or do good enough work when I was young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my grandparents did everything for me and they took me in when I was five and they didn't have to. And 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 I kind of like skated out, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't want to go to work with my granddad. And of course I was like 12 and like going 13, 14, 15, you know, like going to work like manual labor, like nobody wants to do that <laughs> at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It's not like a fun thing to do. <laughs> um But uh, I could have done a better job and I, I'm, you know, there's some shame around that for me, for sure. And I, and I see it Whenever I don't do a good job, like I start to get really ashamed of myself, and I'm. And it, one thing I love about that is that it reminds me of how grateful I am to have that have had those people there for me, you know. So it's little things like reminders, and and I think of gratitude. It's easier for me now because of the stuff that I've done with the plant medicines and and my own personal work, and I and I write something. I don't go super deep into gratitude every day. Our friend Caroline is like a professional gratitude journaler. Oh my gosh! Like. Shouts. 
Caroline, you have the best gratitude hey, situation ever. It's incredible. I just write one and I, I like to refine things. I just like one thing that I'm grateful for every day. So shoot, I could probably pull something out, but but it's uh it's such a it's such a cool experience. And I think I'm I'm so grateful to be alive. And I think about it, I start from there. I look at the through the lens of like I'm so grateful to be alive. And I had that really intense ayahuasca experience this last this last year. And and now when I look back, I think a lot of the gratitude that I have, aside from presently, which is really easy for me, is looking back and remembering the things that I'm grateful for that are kind of silly. Like um for me. Like my grandmother's something. I've been thinking about her a lot lately. And it's like, I've been listening to like oldies and like the Beach Boys. And, you know, I was listening to Under the Boardwalk today. So and I was good. just like, it's just like shit. And I'm like, you know what? Like, we used to give her so much shit about how stupid her music was when we go on road trips. <laughs> and now I'm like listening to Under the Boardwalk. And I'm just like, I'm so glad I know this stupid fucking song because yeah. my grandma like made me listen to it over and over again. And it's like, now I'm so grateful that I get to like think about her randomly when I'm listening to some Spotify playlist. So it's yeah. stuff like that. I think it that like is uh I feel that in my heart more mm-hmm. than like the general gratitude for life, my physical body. Like I'm pretty stoked to be able, I'm pretty stoked on life generally and I don't really get sad about much, but I think the role of gratitude in my life is more reflective. And that is a really long winded way of me saying that. <laughs> yes, gratitude. Helpful. Are you gonna read us some uh, gratitude? No, yes, last night I was uh, or yesterday I was gratitude for Pokeballs. Which I am not Which grateful, you're not for, grateful today. for today. Which my stomach is trash. Same, babe. Well, so I I I was really hungry and I ordered us sweet potato fries, <laughs> crispy rice with spicy tuna, and poke bowls. And we regret that decision. It was not a good decision. Nope. But yeah, it's gratitude's cool. Where is it? Where does it really where do you feel it the most? Like for me, it's like I said, it's mostly reflective. And that really like gets me mm-hmm. like in my feels, mm-hmm. which one of those rare things that gets me deep in the feels. Where does it come up for you the most? Like what I'm most grateful for. I mean, I would say bigger than that. Like where does gratitude, like where where is it the most pervasive in your life? What does pervasive mean? Um, you guys, this is what we do every day. <laughs> You're truly getting a glimpse into our relationship. <laughs> Connor uses big words. I don't. I don't know what he means a lot of the I would time. Say, so I just ask him. I'll just sum it out for like, where is it most, in what area of your life is it most impactful? Like, where do you notice it the most? Mm, damn, that's a great question. Where do I notice gratitude most in my life and the impact it makes? I would say that my physical health struggled so much for so long. And a lot of that was because of my anxiety and my control and my environment and just toxic things in my life. Mm -hmm. And so now, as I have taken steps back to look at my life through a lens of gratitude, I notice that I have healed in so many ways. And the physical manifestation of that is that I no longer experience disease. Mm And that is why I created the journal I did for our community is because I noticed that the direct correlation from mind to body and the way we think every day impacts how we feel. And it is the root cause of illness. And so when I look at my life now versus when I was super sick, I was not... I was not in a state of gratitude at all. 
I didn't know myself. I didn't like myself. I was deep, deep, deep in shame. And I was in so many toxic environments and relationships and all of that. And so it's just so different now to have gratitude, to love myself, to like myself. I think you can love yourself, but not like yourself. You love yourself and love, but not like all kinds of things. Yeah. 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 Like a lot of people love their families, don't necessarily like them, don't necessarily want to hang out with them. I love, I think I loved myself, but I did not like myself. I did not want to hang out with myself. Like I, I didn't like any aspect of who I was or the way I was showing up. And so I think that has been and plays a major role in my healing and my ability to be who I am now and authentically show up. Sweet. I don't know if that's like a good answer for that. but Well, it's your podcast. You say whatever the fuck you that's want. That's what I think. So <laughs> the last thing that she talked about that you, you quickly said, please write this down. She said, we're neurologic, neurobiologically wired for a connection with one another. You can't go it alone. And I love this part. She said, I love humanity, but mas or menos on people, which is how I feel as, as an introvert. Brene Brown and I have this in common. We are both introverts. You are Praise baby Jesus. Oh, are you going to throw me under the bus yeah, right now? The bus. We did it. We did it. We did the big five, the big five assessment yesterday, which is fantastic by the way. Yeah. And if you work with Connor, you get to do this and then have him just break you down <laughs> in a good way. Not a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. Breakdowns are great. Um, but uh, you get to see that whole experience with one of my new clients yesterday. Yes, that was cool. <laughs> it's like, what do you think about being very agreeable? Yeah. Um, I was like, holla, sister. Me too. I know, I know. I was taking the test while he was talking to his new client about the test. And I was like, oh, damn. I'm also very agreeable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's important. It's important to understand that stuff. But um, yeah, neurobiologically wired... To connect with one another. That's and you can't go it alone. You can't go alone. And I think that's so. I think it's. I think it's so interesting because one thing that we, it's so crazy. Like the world that we live in now, is so connected. Now we were just we were just talking about the podcast with with uh, Gabby Reese and Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. They did a show the other day, which is really slow. And it's like a very normal conversation. And Probably like two and a half hours. But people will think about this conversation. It's yeah. like, what are they even talking about? But um, she was talking about being, uh, how, how the, you know, the younger kids, their values are shifting. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of in the middle, I think, between like our parents and then the younger kids now who are like nine, 10, the next generation that are, Actually, their values will be a little different than ours. They'll give more. They'll they'll they won't want as big of houses and all that other kind of shit. Like we like we st- there's still some of that. Like some of my friends want like big houses and have big houses on the lake, and some of them like don't and don't really care. And that's totally normal. At the, at, now it's got it's got to normalize versus like that uh, before that you were just a hippie if you didn't want all this kind of crazy mm-hmm. stuff. But I think that we do feel one of the biggest challenges coming coming up for people now is the feeling of being isolated, even though you're surrounded by people. And it's so funny that even we take to social media to be vulnerable sometimes. And then sometimes the response to that, and you experienced this in spades, was the response to being vulnerable is like, somebody's going to be a fucking asshole. Right. So many of them. Yeah. I mean, people comment. And that was always funny. I was like, all this stuff was going on. I saw all these like negative comments. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm going to be like, People are going to like say things about me too in this whole experience and I had nothing to do with anything. Right. And which I don't really care, but it's just like, oh, I wonder, wonder what people are going <laughs> to like point out. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, I was already putting my armor on. But I think 
so much, so much of the world, so much of, the, of what we say now is like, I'm going to work on me. I'm doing me. And I'm like, and it's, it, it, it does, it, we're already in an isolated world with a facade of connection through technology. And then you're also going to throw like, oh, I need to do me on top of that. When you're going to, when you create connections, fuck things up and it's going to be a mess and you're going to fall on your face. We were talking about earlier, but that is just like in anything else. Just like if you want to ride a skateboard or get good at a sport or, you know, shit, have success in your career. Like you've got to take risks. You've got to put yourself out there and you've got to learn through context and context is, is presented by other people and you're going to get your heart broken mm-hmm. and it's guaranteed you're going to get your heart broken and you should because it let folks like first like very naive, vulnerable love is going to be so much different than like the real deep, honest connection that you have later on in life, but they, they don't exist without the other. And it's so important for us to seek and understand and connect with other people in a way that is, that is honest, genuine, and just naive enough for us to believe that great things can happen in our lives. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. That's something that I have longed for and and part of why I do what I do is just I wanted a community. And going back to being sick, it's very isolating. And I felt very misunderstood and I felt alone and I was really young and sick. And at the time, I didn't understand chronic illness at all. And I remember my doctor said to me, oh, well, most people that have this are 50 and we don't know why you got sick at 19. And if that doesn't make you feel alone, I don't know what does. <laughs> I'm like, cool. Just me and all the 50-year-old women walking around with chronic illness. This is great. Now all my friends basically have chronic illness and we're all young and we're all working through it together. But it's I... Like the, the chronic illness posse just hanging yeah, out. Yeah. Just, you know, holla. I see you, just, girls. Um, just brunching and talking about... Brunching without illness. any nightshades or alcohol or caffeine or, you know, anything delicious because <laughs> we're trying to fucking heal over here. <laughs> Um, it's true, babe. But that's what I wanted was to create a place where I felt like I could genuinely connect. I could be vulnerable. I could say, today I want to die and it's really painful and I feel like I just want to crawl into a hole and wake up when it's all over. And that's a scary thing to admit, especially when you're young and you're supposed to be healthy and young and vibrant and out partying with your friends and you're not having that experience. And it's not just in romantic relationships where we get to show up this way. It's in friendships. It's in workplaces. It's with colleagues. It's the ability to feel seen and feel held. And I feel that so much in every aspect of my life now, but I had to work really hard to get there. And I, I love that our community has that perspective and that vibe. And it it's, it's super powerful. And I, I love that Brene talks about that because... It's not about us going through this alone. It's about us having the ability to call on our tribe and call on people in our lives that can hold space for us and see us. And we get to call those people into our lives and surround ourselves with those kinds of people and say no to anyone that doesn't fit into that. The one that was funny is that you you bring those people into your life by actions. Mm-hmm. Right, people notice shit. That's yeah. how. That's what people when they come when they come and talk to you. Think about it, even the, in the most like reductionist form, like a guy comes to talk to you at a bar, they noticed you for some reason, like something about you, you know, struck them in some kind of way, mm-hmm. and, and and that's the same way that friends work, the same way communities work, and that's and, and I think one thing that's really important, and with people that I work through in dating, is like put yourself in the environment where the people that you want to connect with are romantically or otherwise. 
And that's one thing that I think is really cool about, about events like what you're doing with, with Ceremony Wellness Live is going to be so rad because you're essentially putting yourself in a place with other people who feel a similar way or, or, or resonate with, with a similar message. And sometimes that, that community and in the group work that I've done and with the retreats and different things, like th- those communities are much more, I want to say pervasive again. <laughs> much more pervasive than uh, than than you would than you would expect almost like I, I remember the paleo effects which is like the event that we always had in Austin like that event straight up changed my life every year mm-hmm. and it was like one of the only events I went to but that was I've got jobs shit I met a girlfriend for a year that I had for a year and a half at that event <laughs> like five years ago and you know I was on my I was on my first podcast at Paleo FX like oh, wow. I met you know somebody that I ended up working for for a year like it was just crazy but it was wild but it, it, we all were there for this for, for a reason of like connecting with one another and it mm-hmm. was so incredible so to see you do that with with your passions and the work that you do I'm I'm excited about it. I don't know. Are you excited about it? I can see that. I'm actually more excited about this than the other news that you told me today. Like I'm really, (laughs) I'm getting hyped over here. Thanks, babe. Um, By the way, pervasive means uh, spreading widely throughout an area or a group of people. All right. So that makes a lot of sense, actually. Spread your wings, peeps. (laughs) So we've watched Brene twice now. A final takeaway from you on her conversation on shame and vulnerability. You go first. No, I asked you so that I could go second. God damn it. Well, this is how relationships work. You go first. This is your podcast. What You've been I, interviewing me this whole time, by the way. No, I haven't. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I can't turn it off, okay? It's just, this is me. You take it or leave it, baby. When you go back and re-listen to this, you'll hear me like deflect your own questions I know. Back at you. I know you do. <laughs> You're oh, the best. Oh, when interviewers date interviewers. Yeah, seriously. Funny. So my takeaway... And I I mentioned this off the top, but it was that we... And she kind of said this, which I loved, is we don't take criticism to heart from people that haven't earned the right to give us that criticism. And if they're not living boldly and bravely, then we don't need to take that on. And I think it's just about choosing to listen to the people that you respect and taking criticism from them. But if they're not, quote unquote, in the arena with you, if they're not showing up with you in the same way, then they don't get to have that opinion. They don't get to to dictate what you do or how you feel about yourself. And that gives me a lot of peace and a lot of clarity in the way I take on other people's judgments and views of myself. And it once again, gives me more courage to continue showing up and speaking my truth and owning that. I like that. Thanks. Ready for me to go now? Yes, please. So one thing she said, there was a couple things, but the first thing that really stuck out to me and had me have kind of bouncing around my dome during the, uh, during the whole thing was this, the idea of engineered smallness. Mm. And and taking risks and and as I, as I talked about earlier, like I'm no stranger to risk taking, especially uh, financially or romantically. But but um, there's certain areas of my life where I, I think that that I can play it up in some areas to like it's like a, it's like a misdirect. Like I, I show it over here because I don't want you to see over here that I'm like not. 
<laughs> it's like, look at me over here, all the places that I'm vulnerable in, and can, you can validate me on vulnerability over here while you don't see it over here because yeah. like I'm a master at hiding that shit. So I think for me, it's, it's, it's being willing to accept that about myself and progressively shift out of it. And, and, and even that phrase, engineered smallness, is really, really... Really cool mm-hmm. to me because it it sh- it shows it gives a it gives a phrase to something that I've felt in my life and I think language is so important so just that little like mm-hmm. little snippet is something I feel, I feel like I'll t- the, uh, something I'll take away and just it'll represent a lot of what she has to say and, and what she what she intends to get across from her from her talk. Mm-hmm. So. Thanks for doing this with me. You're welcome. Um, if you guys have not seen The Call to Courage, Brene Brown's Netflix special, make sure you check that out. Use we, promo code uh, Ceremony yeah. Wellness for 0% off at yeah. Netflix.com. <laughs> if Netflix wants to sponsor the show, I will allow that. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like, or maybe Brene Brown. I want Brene Brown to sponsor the show. What would she even do? I don't even care. <laughs> I don't care. If I was... You know how people are like... Are, um, <laughs> you know, people like if you just got like really like ridiculously loaded, you would just like buy a Super Bowl commercial for nothing, yes. so you could like say what you wanted to say. Totally. I think if I just had like stacks of cash, I would just start sponsoring podcasts for myself. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Not for my own podcast, just me personally. Yeah. <laughs> Connor Moore is amazing. <laughs> like you have to read my resume for one minute. Oh on my your god! Show. Oh my god! I'll give you two hundred dollars an episode. <laughs> You're so ridiculous. That would be so funny. <laughs> Speaking of sponsoring a show, you want to talk about your lifestyle design program before we go? Tell, um, tell the people what's up, babe. You know what? You don't want to? The, no, lifestyle design program is fantastic. It's 12 weeks long, three months, one-on-one work, breaking down your patterns and your um, your lifestyle. That's what we call it, lifestyle design. Mm-hmm. It's about taking ownership of your experience and understanding what patterns are working for you, what patterns are getting in your fucking way. And uh, if you want to learn more about that, the best way to do that is go to getTheRealness.com and you can jump on a free call with me and we'll talk about what that looks like and if it's a good fit, which could be. It also might not be, but I hope that it is. And I think the cool part about what you do is that I think a lot of people are looking for dating advice and figuring out their romantic relationships. And that is definitely a... uh, Hot topic. It's a place for vulnerability for sure. Yeah, it is. So (laughs) they can get that with you. And that really plays into life in general. It's not just anything that's coming up in dating is coming up in other aspects of your life too. Exactly. And so when I started the dating program, which has a very original name, yeah. the dating program, um, <laughs> I was like, I got to really cute with this. So it's something I was doing with my lifestyle design clients anyways. Mm-hmm. And it was working. And I had been through... I actually talked about this a ton on a, on um, on the Best Life podcast that I was on today with my friends, Jill and Danny. But it was something I was always doing with my clients and they were having success in it. And I was like, this is happening enough that I should start a, just start a dating program. And it's it's a little bit... Uh, it's a little shorter. It's it's more like quick and, quick and dirty. <laughs> we're just getting in there. And it's... Because it is very specific. But it's about more than dating, mm-hmm. right? It's about connection and, and where you're meeting people. And a lot of times that's friend breakups. A lot of times that's transition, big transitions in your life and, and trying to find the connections in your life that are, that are really reestablish you in a place that that's where you want to be in alignment with who you, who you believe that you are. Mm-hmm. Well, I love it. And Good. thanks for doing this with me. Do you want to do the dating program? I can help you find a really great boyfriend. You know what? Someone, who was I talking to today? And they said, they said, Oh, were you, um, 
oh, Marta, my Ayurvedic doctor. I was at Surya Spa today and telling her all about you, showing her pictures. She thinks you're such a babe. Yay. And she goes, oh, um, were you his client? And I was like, Marta? No. And she's like, well, that would have been cute. I, I could have supported that. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Yeah. Inappropriate, but hilarious. I mean, it would have been definitely a... I don't do that, but... Yeah. Thanks for not I left. That. I left the dating my clients in the CrossFit world. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to wrap this thing up. Yeah. We got to go watch our show. We got to go watch our show now. What's our show called? Um, Dead to Me. Guys. On Net- also on Netflix. Watch Dead to Me. Netflix needs to cut us the epic. check. Dead to Me is great, especially if you like middle-aged housewives. Christina Applegate is next level. She kills it. All right. Well, this was fun. Thanks.